0: Welcome in to the Late Night Radio Podcast. This week, we will be talking about uh, air travel. One year after the COVID pandemic begins, uh, U.S. air travel has hit its highest mark since
1: the beginning of the pandemic. The next hot headline The good Biden giveth and the good Biden taketh away. Just as he gives you money, he plans to take it away with the biggest tax hike in 10 years.
0: The next headline, Tucker Carlson, says making military uniforms for pregnant women is not the most efficient use of military force and funds. Uh, Military officers have responded from their official military Twitter accounts.
1: And, Justin, another headline. I was talking to my mom, well, no, I was talking to my dad, no. I was talking to my male and female parental units the other day about this story from a Manhattan uh, private school that wants to eliminate such gendered terms. More on that in a minute
0: speaking of schools we've got columbia university which has decided to host several different graduation ceremonies each of which will be separated by race gender economic class and so on they're trying to make things feel more inclusive more intimate and dividing it in that way alan we're gonna have a lot to talk about today but first what you been up to this week man how you doing
1: well justin i'm doing quite well doing quite well just a little bit of a Thing. I said biggest tax hike in 10 years. In fact, it's the biggest tax hike in 30 years, but more on that in a bit. I'm doing well. Doing well. Drank my green tea this morning right in front of you. You didn't even know. You didn't, yeah, weren't even I able didn't. to make fun of I me. Didn't. Justin, I was talking with some friends this weekend. We had a little get-together, and we were sharing fun stories. And somehow we got on the subject of how, as a good grandson, I antagonized my grandmother uh, by... Uh, Touching her poofy, her poofy hair, and all this kind of stuff, and somebody <laughs> made a joke. They were like, "This sounds like this sounds like elder abuse," and it was a joke. Uh, don't get it twisted. It was a joke. But I thought somewhere out there. Cuomo has heard about elders being abused and mistreated, and he's like, oh, there's a conversation about that, and I'm not a part of it. Something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But other than that, we had, a, we had a good time hanging out with friends this weekend, and we've had a good time this weekend. The puppy, although he was screaming just before we, or a little bit before we started this show, the puppy's chilling out. He's doing well. I think he's down for his nap, so nice. how are you
0: doing? Uh, doing good, man. i still waiting on uh, the baby to make his grand appearance has not happened yet. Um, I probably got on to uh, Baby Watch just a little too soon. It wasn't quite timed yet, but I was convinced it was coming any day. It being Labor, not the baby. The baby is a he. <laughs> we, we are committed to raising him as a male. Um, <laughs> uh, this this past weekend, man, uh, we, we felt like we've been just going and going and going. Um, so we decided to just kind of take it easy, uh, spend some time, just hanging out, the two of us, because uh, we we do not have many more of those days left where it will just be me and Hannah. Uh, and so your we, son
1: will be a son, and, and will you guys be mom and dad? Will he will he call you that? Will he as call you long as
0: else? as long as he doesn't go to this private school in Manhattan, uh, we will be mom and dad. I, I guess if something changes and we take him to this private school where, not that it's relevant, but tuition is sixty thousand dollars a year, um, then then maybe we'll have to be his folks. But until then, he will be a boy and we
1: will be mom and dad. <laughs> his folks. His folks that he uh, that he lives with or whatever. Right. What a crazy world, man. What a crazy world. So, nothing else new. The baby's not come yet?
0: No, baby's not come. Although, uh, Hannah was texting me this morning, and I don't think she'd mind me sharing. Um, have you ever heard of pregnancy brain, Alan?
1: Uh, is it like when you become kind of ditzy?
0: Yeah. So, she just completely forgot where she was turning in to go to school today. Um, the other day, she asked where a couple of her kids were, and they were sitting right in front of her. Uh, she's a teacher, for if you don't know. For uh, <laughs> other kids. So yeah, <laughs> uh, so she she said the pregnancy brain is in full swing. She's she's struggling. She said she's basically been living in a fog for a couple weeks.
1: I get then, such pregnancy brain after I eat big meals, you know, and I get a food baby.
0: So so different kind of pregnancy, Alan. But I That's I right. feel that been there for sure. Perhaps equally painful on the other way out. But, Justin,
1: <laughs> uh, are you getting on a plane anytime soon, my friend?
0: Uh, no, I will not be getting on a plane anytime soon um, with, with the new baby and all. Although, I'll tell you, like I, I love air travel. Um, really? And I, I, don't I like do planes. I do. You don't like planes, man?
1: Well, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, no. I don't like not being the pilot, you know what I mean? Which I'm not a pilot. But um, like <laughs> I like driving because I'm behind the wheel, you know what I mean? You, you want to be in control. Yeah. Yeah. You have a hard yeah, And time I also on. like to see the person that's in control. Cause like I've gone on yeah. long car rides and let, you know, my wife drive or other people drive. And as long as they're not crazy drivers, it's okay.
0: Yep. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm that same way. Well, actually I'm a, I'm a little worse. I don't like other people to drive. I really struggle when other people drive. And I get really tense and frustrated when they're making decisions that I wouldn't make. And it makes me not the best version of myself. Anyway, back to the air travel. I do love flying. However, with the baby coming, we won't be one of the the many Americans who have decided that it is time to take back to the skies.
1: Yeah, last week TSA said there was an average of like a million flyers, including the peak, which was last Friday of 1.36 million flyers across the nation coming through coming through TSA, uh, which is the highest mark since of. A- just before this time last year, yeah, basically. You know, yesterday or the day before was the one-year anniversary of 115, or uh, 115 days to slow yeah. the spread was the 365-day anniversary <laughs> of such a such a time uh, event. But uh, now we've, we're back to the highest mark since then. Not since 2019, not the highest mark since 2019. I guess yep. more people had places to go back then. But uh, I don't know why people would have been traveling this weekend other than uh, work maybe catching back up to you. But I know a couple of people that travel for work and they're still not traveling so i wonder what's picking up the air flight but it's 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 going up i
0: mean, i kind of think what we're seeing is people are seeing the numbers come down from covid they're they're becoming more comfortable with with flying like i said some people have that as part of their jobs um we are kind of getting into that spring break season though um that that could certainly be playing a and maybe like
1: um like you were talking about last week with the CDC, maybe like grandmas and grandpas are getting vaccinated. And now yeah. it's been, you know, for some, it's been a year since they saw those those folks. So yeah. maybe they're traveling out to see them. But uh, this is good news, I think, overall. I mean, it's certainly it's good yeah. news. Um, air, air airline stocks are yeah. beginning to rise again. That was another thing I saw yeah. reading headlines about this. So I, I think... This is good news. I mean, certainly yeah. for those companies, for yeah. the airline economy. But I think this is good news. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. It's it's good news uh, for us. It's good news for our country. It's good news for our economy. Absolutely.
1: But Justin, the folks that own these airlines, what's going to happen if this tax bill uh, or the tax plan goes into goes into place? By by the <laughs> first major tax yeah. hike in 30 years. I said 10 years in the intro. No, 30 years. It is a 10-year plan. That's where I got my years mixed yeah. up. But what are they going to do, Justin?
0: Uh, well, they're going to end up doing what uh, everyone does and trying to seek ways around that uh, massive tax hike. We'll probably end up seeing some outsourcing of jobs. Um, mm. they're gonna, or they're going to end up handing over a big chunk of money. I was looking and it looks like the <clears throat> corporate tax is going to go from 21
1: to 28%. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, basically Biden's plan is to raise corporate tax, estate tax, capital gains tax and taxes income taxes for those making more than $400,000. So you can just see it's for those who have some money or own businesses or or own estates. It's those for it's for those that have money. It's the the top 1% that people like to talk about, but even it's not just the top 1%, it's but, it's a lot. But, but, but here's
0: here's the thing. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Here's the thing though. When we raise taxes on the people with money, <clears throat> they're the ones who are able to find the loopholes right they're the ones who are able to find workarounds whether it is loopholes or taking their money elsewhere uh, that's that's what's gonna happen it's it's a tax hike but those folks are just gonna take their ball and go home
1: Justin I thought that only poor people owned businesses you're <laughs> telling me that rich people own businesses that, that, oh, that the less rich work for and make their money yeah. and make their livings
0: absolutely that's how it works yeah. man
1: so they're packaging this tax hike um, the, the good Biden is is uh, packaging this tax hike under the quote that, that it's to pay off the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that just passed. Right. Um, and and the, because the thought is in 10 years, the, the taxes, the, the estimated 10 years, the estimated taxes from this in 10 years will raise $2.1 trillion. Yeah. So it's going to take 10 years to pass what was done with a stroke of a pen in, in 10 right. days, conceivably, just a minute yeah. ago. I have, I'm a little skeptical. I don't know about you, Justin, but I'm a little skeptical that this is simply to pay off the $1.9 trillion stimulus package.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, just in terms of economic theory, which I'm not an economist. Uh, I want to throw that out there. Um, but what, what we have seen throughout the history of economic study is that less regulations means more jobs and ultimately more tax income. When you try to uh, put regulations on things, when you try to uh, increase the taxes, you're putting a strain on the economy. That's an artificial kind of kind of thing, and you're what well, it. On paper, it looks like what you're going to do is bring in a bunch of money, and it never actually works that way. Again, we talked about the loopholes. So I'm with you. I'm a little skeptical of what's going on with that, um, with that plan. If if we're looking at a ten-year plan to, to make up what we just paid, um, I don't I don't know, Alan. That that doesn't
1: really. Uh, it add sounds up to good me. in principle because they yeah. print fake money, and there needs to be a way to pay it back, right? Right. Or else inflation is just going to go. So it sounds like good economic principle. But all the articles would indicate, from any source, that these are just fulfillments of promises that that the Biden administration made that they were going to upgrade the taxes. They were going to up the taxes on these types of things and these people, people that own estates, people that uh, they were going to raise capital gains tax. They were certainly going to raise corporate tax. Like you said, they're raising it 7%. They were going to raise taxes on those who make more than 400. Like, these are promises that were made during the campaign. So that's another reason why I'm a little bit skeptical that this is simply to pay off because these are promises. And, and every article you read is going to say, hey, these have been promises made. And the, the problem with this is what we just talked about and why Christians shouldn't just think more, you know, oh, uh, higher taxes, that's thats simply okay. Um, there's actually some funny stuff in, in the Old Testament where where God says that, uh, you know, uh, un, unrighteous rulers or pagan rulers will take over the nation of Israel like in exile. And he actually, like, threatens Israel, or not threatens, but tells them, like, if you let somebody else come and be your king or whatever, they're going to tax you at 10%. So uh, God evidently thought 10% was quite the tax uh, for a nation <laughs> to put on to citizens, which is quite funny. But like this is, this tax hike, it's an attack on money makers, yeah. not money takers uh, yeah. in many, in, in every way. It's uh, paying back our taking of money because everyone getting yeah. a, a stimulus check. Um, some ways they're very good because the government said you can't work and they shut your business down. But now, uh, to my knowledge, the economy is kind of come back and pretty much everybody's back yep. to work if they want to be. So yep. it seems a little bit like we're just kind of taking money. Um, so it's it's not an attack on money takers. It's an attack on money makers, which is completely against, uh, you know, anti-Bible. It's completely anti-Biblical.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like I said that, it's an attack on money makers. Um, I hate to, to beat a dead horse. The money makers are going to back out of this system. And right, if the money right. makers are gone... Where is where are the money takers going to then get their money from? Right, you know what I'm saying,
1: right? Um, I, I heard a podcast with a guy who wrote a book um, called "The Makers versus the Takers," which is sort of where I get my my lingo from. Uh-huh. But he said it basically his 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 book was all about, and his argument was based on the observation that every time Jesus talked about money, he talked about money in um, Judea, right, like Jerusalem, like the the Jewish country, never in Galilee um because in Galilee if you look at, at historical and archaeological record Galilee was a maker town everybody owned shops and businesses and uh it was it was a it was a small business kind of town and in Jerusalem in Judea uh he not only did many of the religious leaders take the money but it was it was like a tax town and it was a taker town where Religious leaders were stealing from their, from their folks, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he says it's interesting to see that, that Jesus doesn't hate it if you make money. That's why I say it's anti-Bible. Jesus doesn't like, I mean, Jesus does not, he loves a money maker. He loves someone, and obviously someone who makes money and then uses it for the right thing. Someone who uses it, but he hates, uh, It's it's harder for the rich man who takes, that's sort of the context there. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's yeah. why I say this is anti-Bible. God loves a money maker. He loves somebody who's making a small business and making their money and giving it over to the glory of Him, rather than someone stealing. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> yeah and eventually, what this leads to is uh, a situation where the the lowest like economic class, instead of teaching them and telling them, "Hey, all you have to do is is work hard, um, and you can lift yourself up," what we're doing is creating this culture of. Hey, depend on the government. Mm. We're gonna give you enough to get by, um, and and that really breeds that culture of taking right. and not wanting to work for for what you have. And right, and I'd say that
1: welfare yeah. is a responsibility of the church, not the state. And I yes. think that's what we see from the Bible. Yes. Yeah, so we're, Justin. We're, Go ahead. Do you have one last thing to say on this? Uh,
0: Yeah, I was going to say we're definitely not against, like, helping out the less fortunate. It's just that we don't think the government is the right vehicle to to, to do that. The church needs to be, I don't want to say more active, the church just needs to be active. We need to to come together as a uh, global community, as a church, and take care of the needs we see in our local communities. That's what needs to happen so that those communities don't then look to the government for their assistance.
1: So Justin, did your wife enlist in the military? Is that what I'm seeing? They're they're starting to, they're starting to make uh, uniforms for for pregnant ladies. Is is she listed up?
0: You know, she she has not yet. I've told her that might be a good option since they're looking at, um, at, at making these new uh, military uniforms for pregnant women. Um, I told her she could really be. Like on the leading kind of edge here, she could be a groundbreaker. She could be she could go down to the history books if she would just go ahead and jump into the military and be one of those first women to wear that specific outfit for pregnant women. Man, I'd be so proud.
1: Yeah, this story. Excuse my yawning. This story is just uh, this story is just weird, man. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, I, I guess it makes sense if you have women in the military. I didn't know they still served. Like I figured, maybe they would just like take a maternity leave or or step off or something of the service when they become pregnant or something, or when they yep. get pregnant to the point that they can't do anything. Because I was seeing like when you become pregnant, uh, you no longer have to do basically any of the responsibilities, like PT and, <laughs> and, and, and basically any of the responsibilities. So it just it makes it would make sense to me that like, you know, should women serve in the military? That's a whole different discussion. But it would make sense to me that if women were serving and they got pregnant, that they should. Choose themselves to step down. Maybe there should be some sort of benefit, like a maternity leave. But yeah. um, but the weirdest part of this story is what they did, what they what they did uh, what military leaders and and what the media did after uh, uh Tucker Carlson from Fox News kind of exposed this story. Yeah. You got anything yeah. on that? I mean, it's just yeah. like I think we're both a little bit like this is just weird. I mean, Tucker Carlson basically said, I think what you and I were just kind of hinting at, what I was. This doesn't seem like uh, making uniforms for pregnant women, Tucker Carlson said doesn't seem like the most efficient those are the two words most efficient use of military you know force and funds. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, you know certainly people come back at him because that's sexist, right? Uh, we should appeal to every single need of any kind of person in any situation, whatever you want to say. Uh, but they yeah. said it was sexist and then um, like straight up military people, Uh, tweeting not from their personal account like not from their joe smith account from their like general of this uh military branch account started started coming after old tucker carlson man did you see this do you follow the story
0: i did see that man that's uh that's a step that i don't think we've seen before is official military accounts coming at media members um as we sit and see that uh Man, I just had this one question, and I hate to be the guy that says, "Hey, can you imagine if the roles were reversed?" But this well, is I one imagine. that I think is important. Can you imagine, dude, if this is a Trump military officer who's coming at a media member?
1: Yeah, or if this was a military officer when Trump was president, like yeah. even yeah, if yeah, they yeah. had even, yeah. well, no matter what their voting record was or anything like that. Or of course, that would be exposed. But yeah, like, uh, let's say Chris Cuomo, to, to, to do a Cuomo. Um, I hope I said Chris, uh, Andrew Cuomo in the intro when I was talking about my, my joke or whatever. I hope I said Andrew. I might have said Chris. Um, I'm genuinely but not sure. Chris Cuomo, the CNN host, or Don Lemon, or anybody like that. Let's just say that, like, yeah. you know, Don Lemon said something. You know, he's obviously a more liberal. He works for CNN, said something about against the military. And then some yeah. military guy came out and was like, this guy has zero, zero minutes of service and all this guy. Kind of, and Trump were president. man it would be the story that everybody talked about. I mean, it has to be, right? Because everything but, that Trump did or anything that happened under Trump's watch was the story. Yeah.
0: Um, it's it's hilarious, man, because everything that happened under Trump, you, you you heard the media talking about how tyrannical the government was. Trump's a tyrant. Trump's, you know, this oppressor. And they were looking for it and looking for it and creating it where it wasn't there. And now, all of a sudden, this is some genuine, like, uh, yeah. hints at... at tyrannical rule um certainly military guys we we don't want military officials having uh feuds with our media right we don't want that to happen that's not uh ideal in a in a culture that relies on the media for information we want to have a complete separation there unless it's just communication of facts right
1: Right. No, this is uh, this is scary because, like, you can tell that this is agenda being pushed from the current administration on to leaders in the military. And it's it's just a top down kind of thing. But it is really just at the top, which is funny because I heard a lot of people saying, like, if you polled the average military person, they probably think that Trump they probably prefer Trump as president. Uh, they probably think that their boss, who is saying this, or their boss's boss's boss, who is saying this kind of stuff from their official Twitter account, is a lunatic, and and that sort of thing, because they they aren't in line with that uh with the top the top who is the top brass who's saying this. But it definitely is sort of a top down thing, and it's kind of scary, like you said, because it is the actions of like next next thing you know, um, you know, the military is just knocking on uh, knocking on uh, Fox doors, news, and saying. You know, uh, Tucker Carlson can't do his show anymore if he's going to talk against the against the party, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Right,
0: right. So here's <clears throat> here's here's the thing, and like, you if you're sitting out there listening and maybe you think, well, Tucker shouldn't have said what he said. Here's here's what happened. So our military says, hey, we're looking at trying to make our uh, forces more inclusive, more, um, I guess inclusive is the best word, and they they. Roll out this plan for what they're going to do. And Tucker says, Hey, you know, every other military in the world, particularly the militaries of those that we might consider potential enemies, potential threats, mm-hmm. their focus is making their military the most lethal fighting force they can. Uh, maybe that should be our focus as well. And mm-hmm. everybody attacks him for that. So that's that's kind of the, the other thing that, that's crazy. Not just that they're attacking him for having a differing view, but the fact that his view was just, hey, we've got some threats. Maybe our focus should be doing everything we can to be as ready for that as we
1: mm-hmm. can. I, I hadn't seen that. That's a really good uh, observation. And that's an obs- That's a good observation by, by Tucker, like him or hate him. That's a good observation, but... Uh, yeah. And that's a good point that you make there. Hmm. Crazy. And, so Justin... Like, yeah, go ahead. Did I hear... I'm going to change subjects. So Okay, So okay. fair enough. Did I hear that you were hanging out with your male or female parental units um, uh, sibling the, the, the other night? Last night, perhaps? Oh. We have to use you, those terms.
0: Yeah. You mean the... No, I, I haven't asked him recently. I think he identifies... As a male. I'm pretty sure he does. Um, and if so, I think it's okay for me to say that he is my uncle. But you uh, are never okay. allowed to say he's my uncle. So I appreciate the way you did that.
1: Yeah, um, you're welcome. So, so is he your female <laughs> or your male uh, parent or, uh, your, uh, parental unit's uh, sibling?
0: I appreciate your inclusive language. Um, I'll tell you that my mother identifies as a woman, so she can be called my mom. You can now call her my mom. Uh, this is the brother of my mother. Um, so, yeah, I was hanging out at his house. Listen, if you're wondering why we're, why we're using these terms, uh, it's becoming more and more apparent in our culture that we've got to start using words that are more inclusive of those who maybe don't have a normal home life. At least according to this private school in, in uh, Manhattan, which is encouraging students to stop using the terms mom, dad, and parents, because that makes assumptions about the kids' home lives.
1: Right. This is uh. You, you talked about this before the show. This is an interesting situation that we run into as youth pastors. I'm sure your your wife yeah. runs into as a teacher. Um, is like I have kids in in my youth group, and I've had kids in, in past youth groups that uh like live with their grandma, or live um or have divorced parents. I mean they've these these broken home situations is what I'm trying to get at. Maybe they lost a parent. I've known I've known some folks that have lost parents and stuff like that. Like uh, so they so them and then their stepmom is their stepmom because their mom passed away or something like that. So like. They have these broken home kind of situations. Um, so it seems, you know, the, the the packaging, again, this is sort of like um, like uh, wrapping up uh, some garbage in, in Christmas wrapping paper and thinking it's a present underneath. Like, this is sort of like they're wrapping this story into a nice sheen bow, under a nice sheen bow, but it's not, I don't think, what is actually trying to be conveyed here. So here's my point. They're trying to say, we shouldn't use mom or dad because somebody could live with their... Um, with their grandparents, we shouldn't use parents. We shouldn't make these assumptions because because someone might not live with their parents. But I think you rightly we're looking at the, I'm looking at the show notes right now. I think you rightly make the observation that this I think is an attack on the nuclear family being yeah. packaged in inclusiveness and put under the tree. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you wrote it, so yeah. I hope you say. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I definitely definitely agree with that. Um, so what what we're seeing is a culture that wants to normalize. Um, the the idea that there is no normal family, right? <clears throat> that some people have um, just a mom. Some people have just a dad. Some people have a grandmother. Some people have three dads. Some people have two moms and a dad, whatever. The goal, though, is to say to have a mom and dad in your home is not, should not be seen as just the normal that everybody experiences. Um, listen, I think it's a pretty sinister thing at play here. Uh there are studies that show that the best situation for a kid is to have a mom and dad. I think this is a war against that. It's uh it's trying to prove a point that you know that's not necessary, which listen, if that's not somebody's situation, that's fine. Um kids obviously don't choose what family they're in. But as you were saying before the show, um, there are times we want to be delicate with that. Like, um, I, listen, I, I don't know that I have students in my youth ministry that actually come from a two-parent household, um, or if they do, it's not their mom and dad. It's a it's a mom and stepdad, or or dad and stepmom. Um, so I want to be sensitive to that sometimes. But the reality is, when we when we come across that, when we encounter it, um, it's an opportunity to again. Uh, share the hope that we have in Christ. Um, to share God's love, uh, it's it's okay to say, "Hey, like I, I'm I'm sad that you have the situation that you have, that 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 you don't have um, the typical home life." Um, it doesn't have to be a thing where we want every kid to feel normal. It's okay to yeah, recognize the
1: different. Yeah, I've had some good conversations with uh, some students before, who we can we can talk about the reality that like their home situation is not what is the right thing, but the yeah. Lord can redeem it. And that's where we have to be at. Like, why would we bring this story up? Well, one, one it's st- stupid, if I can use such a term. Yeah. It's stupid. Um, yeah. We can make fun of it. We can crack jokes at it. But also, we need to understand that this is the way culture is moving, and we Christians need to be able to engage with the culture. See, for a long time, Christians have thought engaging with the culture is looking at what the culture is doing and then not saying anything about it. <laughs> and, um, and that's on the left and the right leaning Christians. That's on, like, the conservative uh, fundamental kind of Christians and on the progressive uh, inclusive Christians or whatever you want to call it like that's on both ends not saying to the culture repent not saying to the culture no you're wrong so I think in this type of situation we say to the culture uh, by having good conversations with people like this is wrong so we, we look at we, we pastors we Christians we have to find good ways to look at a another a student like you and I might have and say like man I, I love your, you know, your mom and your stepdad come to church or your stepmom and your dad come to church or whatever, and we should be able to look at said student and say, like, man, I, I love them and I know you do, but but it's it's broken. And the Lord can redeem that and that's okay. We have to have good conversations. Pastors have to have conversations with divorcees or, or people going through divorce or people who have just gone through divorce and wish maybe they never did and be able to say, Yes, your situation is a broken one. But the Lord can redeem it you can uh you can in a way make the the best out of this by following him in faithfulness after this we have to be able to say yes it's wrong but uh the lord has redemption for it that's the, what we have to do in these types of situations we can't just change the way that we talk to students or the way that we talk to divorcee adults in our churches or else we're not gonna we're going to lose them we're going to lose them to the culture of secularism right you get right. what i'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. And uh, kind of
0: what you're saying, not that it's exactly the same thing, but I don't know if you saw the the quote from Don Lemon this week, um, mm-hmm. where he basically said, God is not a God of judgment. Um, I think that kind of mentality is where all of this comes from. Like, we want to stay as far away from uh, presenting any kind of judgment for these uh, individuals with maybe different situations we want to stay as far away from them even thinking that their parents or grandparents whatever are facing judgment when in reality we need to understand that God is a god of judgment and we have good news that we don't have to face that harsh judgment and so so staying away from those uncomfortable situations from those uncomfortable conversations completely mm-hmm. removes the opportunity to share that
1: good news that we can be reconciled to our creator. Right. Right. I mean, Jesus did not, uh, I'm just thinking of a story off the top of my head. I've I've not even like necessarily written this out or prepared this, but Jesus with the Samaritan woman, like we can see good love and evangelism right there where he, he asks her for a drink. She's like, how are you going to ask me for a drink? All this kind of stuff. But, all, all this kind, of, and then he calls her to repentance. He's like, "No, you, you, don't just have a husband at home. You've got like four husbands, each one the better than the last. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're, uh you're, you're, you're sleeping around. You're, you're not doing the right thing." He calls her to repentance, but he doesn't ignore that in his evangelism. So good, right. good example right. there of evangelism. And there's obviously there's yeah. plenty of stories. I mean, how many hey, times if I, could, Peter?
0: if I could piggyback on that, sorry to cut you off. If I could piggyback on that, the the very next. A chapter, we have the woman called an adultery, right? And Jesus, obviously, we end up getting to the point where Jesus stands up and says, hey, who's left here to condemn you? And the woman says, no one. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, now go and sin, sin no, no more. more. So he right. he leads with grace and follows it with love. And that is such a beautiful thing. It's fantastic. We have to embrace that. We have to... Um, yeah, embrace it. And to stay away from those situations is just not Right, like not hospitality the doesn't
1: mean that, like, um, you know, uh, a divorcee comes into your home. Say you're an adult Christian out there and you know, like, a divorcee in your church. It doesn't mean that, like, you act like they're you, you go along with some sort of fantasy that their marriage was, was awful. And, and it may have been awful. What I'm trying to say is you shouldn't go along with some fantasy that, like, yes, every decision you made in being divorced was perfect. No, you should press into the uncomfortable and say, listen. You probably should never have gotten divorced. Like it's not ideal. You made a covenant. Um, maybe there's some situations where you you could get divorced. I mean we have that in scripture. Yeah. But let's say that in their divorce it was it was unfa- it was sinful that there was that's divorce right. and all that kind of stuff. I you guys understand what I'm saying. You guys are smart. We should be able to press into the uncomfortable and say yeah that's wrong. But uh, there is redemption for that. There is Correct. not only just forgiveness for that. There is a way that it can actually be made better on the other side because you're following you know, Christ after this. So that's the point of this. The point of this, like we said a minute ago, is not just to make fun of this story. It's to say that Christians should look at this kind of story and say, how does this apply to me? How can I make this? How can I engage this culture of attacking the nuclear family of, um, hyper-inclusivism, which is actually, uh, exclusive and all, all that kind of stuff. But that's, uh, perhaps a subject for a different day. But Justin moving from one school to another, uh, the other big headline that, that you and I really wanted to talk about this week, uh, which I saw yesterday, Columbia University uh, is going to host several, I think I saw six uh, was in total, but several different graduation ceremonies, all online. Uh, that's part of it, but, but all online. Each one separated by race, gender, uh, economic class, and, and so on. Every intersection that could happen from there. So Justin, what would your graduation have been? bald bald uh bald white guys yeah. Bald, you bald and, like, white guys. some of the old 60 year olds that have come back uh yeah and, and try to try to get a degree later yeah. in life or something? i would i think what they call that is the leftover group the alan leftover. <laughs>
0: they, they hit everybody else and then they say all right who's left right, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i listen i was not aware of this you brought it to my attention um I just, I have a hard time looking at this and even seeing anything positive that could come from this. Can you imagine, like, let's say that you're a first-time, a first-generation first graduate in your family. Um, can you imagine being singled out and and saying oh, you only get to graduate with folks who are either from a low income or they're first-generation graduates? Like, Y'all y'all have to be put into this group. You don't get to experience graduation with your peers that you, you know, studied with. You're gonna graduate with your peers as defined by society. Mm. Right? Like, whoo, buddy, that that doesn't sit right with me. How how is that okay, Alan?
1: Right. No, it's this is, this is tough. So, yeah, so an FLI ceremony, which Justin said was first-generation or low-income. They're also going to host a lavender ceremony. Like, these are the names uh, of the ceremony for the LGBTQ folks. Uh, all, this, all this kind of weird um, names for their, like, six different graduations that all be online and all separated by uh, – all, all separated, but each one of them equal, I think, maybe was the term they were using. Or maybe that's from something else that uh, nobody would want to remember. Let's we'll say that sounds but, uh,
0: familiar, Alan, separate but equal.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. I saw a quote from a guy called Samuel Say, and uh, he'll never hear this, but he's a great dude. Go follow his blogs. Um, I don't know that he is a podcast. Go follow his blogs, follow his social media, Samuel Say. Slow to write is his blog. And he uh, he, uh, kind of got this, got this headline and just tweeted, and he said, White supremacists have passed their torches to critical race theorists. Crit- critical race theorists. So he's saying, you know, no longer is the separate but equal done by white supremacists, like we just said, it's done by the critical race theorists who think we all need to be separated by the way that we look and uh, brings to mind that, that, that comedy thing that came out and got kind of viral where it was that guy, and it was like uh, you know uh, white supremacists and woke people have a lot in common, and it was like a comedy sketch about how oh you want to separate things by race too oh me me too <laughs> uh, you know uh, yeah. this guy this guy separates this on my birthday huh you know and it's the white it's yeah. it's, it's, it's a joke but it's right it's but it's serious true. it's
0: real like yeah it's scarily true right <laughs> like and. Uh, I just I sit and look at this and I think how could a white supremacist ever be against critical race theory if critical race theory says hey we are different, and the one thing that makes us different is the color of our skin, uh, I mean that's that's insane man, but like uh, like you were saying with that Samuel Say quote we we are legitimately literally taking steps back towards segregation separate but right. equal. That is, that is mind blowing that people are getting on board with this. It, and it's infuriating because that's not what we want. We want to live in a in a unified society, right? Like we don't, I don't want somebody to look at me and make judgments about me based on the color of my skin. Um, right. I don't, and I don't want to do that to other people. But that's what this group is advocating for. This well, school is it, advocating for.
1: As I understand it um like 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 black people um and some of these minority classes they don't want uh, i've heard this said before. they don't want to live in a colorblind world like right. you hear that a lot you hear that a lot from white people at when somebody gets killed by the police or something <laughs> like that. Like, oh i just wish we could live in a colorblind yeah. society yeah, yeah they yeah. don't want that they want you to acknowledge that they look different than you they want you to acknowledge that they come from a different culture than you but this is an extreme too far right because this is right. back to where we said like uh this is an extreme too far. And I, I know people that would probably hate this, but also want you to acknowledge that they, that they don't want to live in a colorblind society, but they don't want to live in this kind of society where it's like, yeah. Oh, you're black and low income, get in line, uh, get your ration and go to your graduation ceremony. Way to go. You know, <laughs> Oh, you're, you're white and you're from a higher income or you're black and you're from a higher income. Go to this graduation ceremony. Like they don't want that, but, but some do. I mean, I saw, um, I didn't see, I think it was two years ago. The Gospel Coalition, big big organization, do a lot of good things. They had this conference. They have a women's conference every year, and one one of the women's conferences they had, which I think was two years ago, um, they had one night uh, a women of color only worship service. So wow. only the women of color at this uh, at this uh, women's conference were allowed to go, and the whites had to stay outside, right? Like because. They have shared experiences as, as, as people of color. They have shared experiences as black people in America and black women in America. But to me, uh, I'm not a black woman in America, but I have the Holy Spirit. I have wisdom from God, I think, and I have his Bible. And, and I think that that's a step too far is when you start saying that people, because of their skin color, are unclean for worship. You can't come into this yep. worship service because of your skin color. So that's yep. where I think this is happening at secular, secular university. Because Christians have let this creep into our churches, into our pews. We used to let yep. white supremacy creep into our pews, and the black people had to worship down the street in their own church. Now we're letting critical race theory creep into our pews. And uh, we want pews separated by race and gender, and you need to uh, diversity uh, or separate but equal in this kind of way. You get what I'm yeah. saying?
0: Yeah, I do. And uh, So taking a step back, it's, it's funny because I think what happens in these in these scenarios you end up with somebody who comes up with this idea who says, hey, we're going to have a separate night. Like, let's talk about the, um, the women of color worship service. Somebody comes up with this idea, and, and really their idea is to elevate the women of color, right? And to, to give them like a special place and say, hey, as women and as people of color, you're the most marginalized members of society. We want to lift you up and give you a particular space. The problem is and what people don't don't think about you're lifting that class up, right? And I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm good with that. But then you're saying, but while we lift you up, nobody's going to be here to see it. Mm-hmm. Like we want to lift you up, we don't want you to actually share with the white people who would have been in the room, right? Like let's have let's have a worship service led by women of color. And have everybody participate in that, you know? Right. Um, that's, that's where I think we, we take it too far. Like, yes, we want to elevate these, these members of society who historically have been, like, on the outs, I guess. Like, they've been marginalized. But we don't want to do it in such a way that says, like, you're only allowed to be a part of this group that we identify you as being a part of.
1: Right, right, right. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. No, I mean, I have thought about it in the sense that, like, what a more effective way it would be if you said, we're going to talk about these experiences. Everybody's welcome to come, rather than saying, like, nope, you're unclean. You're, you're not allowed in here. Yeah. I mean, that's scary is when, when you're like, no, you, you're not allowed in. But that's not what this my, – my point in bringing that story into this is to say that we've, we've failed as a church, just like sure. we did uh, hundreds of years ago uh, or a or hundred years ago. Uh, with, with segregation and some stuff like that, where churches failed. Yeah. Uh, we are failing now as a church in a different way. And yeah. uh, the church needs to repent. The church needs to come back to faithfulness. And yeah. we don't need to live in a colorblind society because, you know, the end, the end of all of this is not going to be colorblind, man. There's going to be people from all tribes, tongues, and nations worshiping right. the Lamb who was slain. But right. they're not going to be worshiping in different worship services. And they're not going to be graduating from college in different graduation services. They're going to <laughs> right. be bringing their cultures and their glories that God has given to them, placing them at the feet of the Lamb, and then worshiping the Lamb. And that's the point right. of all this, is that we should be trying to do <clears throat> this together. Not colorblind, yeah. but not separate but equal.
0: You know, and there was there was a time... <clears throat> when america as the great melting pot was the society that brought together all different cultures found the best parts of those cultures and made that american culture right um and that's honestly when i hear never mind i'm not going to use that phrase when i think of america being awesome that's what i think of is all of us coming together recognizing our differences, celebrating our differences, asking others to participate in our differences, right? Opening people's eyes to, to what they haven't seen before. Um, and I think everyone gets to have a part of that. And I think that is what God's kingdom ultimately looks like. is all of us coming together, just as you said, unified, not separate.
1: Amen to that. Well, we should totally reject we're uh, graduation services that, that separate by race and income uh, yes. for that very reason, because yes. the Lord does not uh, separate us in that way. The Lord gives yes. us different gifts, and he gives us different talents, but he does not call some clean or unclean, and he does not want us to, to uh, segregate based on those sort of things. I hope that that's clear. Well, I thought we were going to talk more about that, but it sounds like, man, we're just both hyped for uh, the end when everybody brings their glories to the Father or to the Lamb <laughs> yeah, of the throne. Uh that's going to be pretty. And I hope we can experience that some today without having to, to make someone clean for worship or, um, yep. you know, shame others into worship and all that kind of stuff. But, Justin, as we wrap things up today, what have you been reading?
0: Alan, I'll be honest. This has been <laughs> a crazy week. The thing that I have read the most this week is this stupid little book. Stupid little book. This called How to Install Your Car Seat. Um, it's the the instruction manual from the car seat that we bought. That sounds like a,
1: that sounds like a very clever title for a Christian book on parenting. (laughs) That would be a
0: good, that would be a good title. How to install your car seat. Um, but no, I've, I've, I've had, um, just baby stuff going on, trying to prepare for that. Seriously though, that car seat, I cannot figure out how to get it in the car. I'm going to have to spend some time (laughs) working on that. Um, Yep. so unfortunately this is a week where I have not been expanding my horizons. I have not been reading a ton of new stuff. Alan, have you had a different experience than me?
1: Wow. Well, I picked up Lord of the Rings again Nice. on the second half now of, uh, I just, well, I just read the first chapter of the second, you know, the second book in the first book, right. if that makes sense to right. everybody, yeah, yeah. uh, halfway through the Fellowship of the Ring and, uh, very good. Uh, of course, it's very good. And so I just read the first chapter of like the L. You know when they get to Rivendell and Frodo wakes up and all that kind of stuff. I love how it's so similar to the book, but also so different, or the movie, but so different. So mm-hmm. um, been reading that. I've done a lot of like work at our church's youth house. Really, uh, we're renovating some stuff, putting up some like shelves and all that kind of stuff. And that's nice. been consuming some of my week as we're getting ready to reopen um, our churches like Wednesday night functions fully here in the month of April. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, probably going to teach the students on anxiety. Been reading a lot on anxiety because I know a lot of students are stru- struggle with that always, and especially in the COVID era. So we're probably going to do some teachings on anxiety. Probably the sayings of Jesus and anxiety, and and or Meage. maybe we'll just do like the sayings of Jesus and a couple of them on anxiety because you know he's got that good one about the birds of the air. They they right. don't they, they go where they go and they're not anxious for anything. And that, all that all that kind of stuff. So uh, that'll be good. I haven't done too much reading been putting up shelves, yep. so i've been reading uh how to get my drill to start working and all that kind of stuff where's the best place to put some screws in yep. the wall i've got a few holes i need to patch up because i put it in and the shelf oh, does no. hold itself up in that particular place so i'm handy uh but i'm handy to the point where like i know just enough to be dangerous <laughs> sometimes i'm not <laughs> uh, i'm not an expert on anything by yep. any means
0: uh, i hear you there um uh, so do you are you telling me there, Alan, that you put some screws in the wall where there were no studs? Is that is that what's happened?
1: Well, you know the the shelf is only so big, so yeah, I put some screws in the wall where there was, uh, I guess, no stud or. uh oh, man. Whatever. I ended up going with nails in one place, so uh, but that worked. But then on the other wall, it worked fine. So we'll see how long the shelf holds up. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, so you're gonna walk in there one day, and everything's gonna be on the floor. It's gonna be Probably. a mess. But, Probably. hey, you did your best, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. You did your best. Listen,
1: I might walk in there today. I put them up yesterday. I might walk in And I put some books on the shelf to see if it would hold it up. So I might walk in there today yeah. if be follow.
0: It. Hey, you uh, you talked a little bit about what you're going to be uh, teaching your kids on. Uh, I'll, I'll share what I've got going on. So I, I did mention last week reading a book, uh, What If Jesus Was Serious. <clears throat> and uh, the first chapter of that book really digs into uh, the Sermon on the Mount and just what Jesus meant. By um, those things, blessed are the um, poor in spirit. Blessed are the weary and all, heavy laden. Yeah, all, all, all or no—that's a different thing. Blessed yeah. are the hungry, or the, the, yeah. the,
1: those who hunger and thirst. Yeah, and they shall be the me, weary the, and heavy laden. I was talking about that last night with my wife, which is why I had that on the brain. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, and, and
0: in talking about those, you know, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was not saying. Um, this is what you need to be. He wasn't giving a prescription for how to yeah, act. Yeah. He was Come saying, he was saying like, these people <laughs> these Come people on. are more prepared to hear the message of God because they don't have earthly distractions, right? Come on, Justin's preaching. Um, so anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. I'm really excited for that.
1: Boy, howdy, so, Justin. Yeah. You just gave us the good word right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> speaking speaking of that so my grandparents are in town and I didn't realize I was doing it but they came to visit the other day and they're sitting there it's uh the, the two of them and uh, my cousin and we were just talking and I brought up um just just something about church and after after a probably about 10 minutes of me talking I felt terrible I didn't realize I was doing it I got carried away after about 10 minutes of talking uh, my granddaddy looked over at my nana and he said um well, I, I don't think we need to go to church Wednesday or Sunday or next Wednesday. We just got a whole a whole series of sermons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe maybe uh not not relating to what I just said, but man, maybe in my personal conversations I need to to, to back off a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am like that in so many ways so. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, can, I can get behind that.:
0: Then when you uh, get excited you're... about something it's hard to to slow down, you know.
1: That's right, that's right. I was reading in my Bible time this morning um, uh, Solomon's Prayer for Wisdom. We're reading First and Second Kings right now, so oh. Solomon prays for wisdom. And then today I was reading Solomon, his first act of wisdom, which is the the, the, the two women uh, fighting over the baby. And Solomon says, all right, let's cut it in half then. And it right. shows who the real mother is because she wants the baby to be alive um, right. at the end of it because she has that motherly instinct. And uh, you know what it made me think about? It, it just made me think about how, like, Christians should be praying more for wisdom. That's what the book we're reading alongside of it too is. But like God cares about what you do with your life. God cares about how you act in any kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? That's right. just what I've been really wrestling yep. with lately. Like the Christian out, like the outpouring of the gospel in our lives, I mean it impacts every single aspect of life. That's why we talk about these kind of crazy stories that go on in the world and, and all yep. that kind of stuff. But I digress. Absolutely, man. Hey, you disagree? Quick question. You think the gospel means nothing
0: to us? No, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. But uh, I got, I got distracted because you, you, brought up uh, Solomon and the two women and the baby. Uh, we're, we're going a little longer than we intended to. But I've got a question, and, and this was, this is one that always I struggled with reading that story. Do you think the mom or the woman who was not actually the mom? Do you think that she thought that cutting the baby in half was like a legitimately good solution? Like that she was like okay I get half a baby now hallelujah right, right, right. like
1: I think she probably I, wanted the other woman to suffer the way she was suffering like, right like kid yeah died, obviously
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but man as a kid growing up <laughs> hearing that story I was like what a stupid woman like that's not gonna work <laughs> that baby's not yeah. gonna be alive <laughs> but but no. I, 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 I like that, you know, ha, having studied more and, and realizing, hey, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to propose that both women could get half a baby. He was right. looking to see which woman was willing to see the other one suffer. Right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah. God cares about what you do with your life. So until yeah. next week, remember, God cares about what you do with your life in every area of it. So love God, love others, obey his word, and love Justin. See y'all next week. <laughs>